In celebration of one year of podcasting, we are holding a giveaway of epic proportions. Everything you need to get started running games. Four dice trays, 12 complete sets of dice, four crown royal bags, the D&D Essentials Kit, the D&D Starter Kit, Horde of the Dragon Queen D&D Adventure, the Young Adventurers Collection, Nerd Archives, Out of the Box Encounters, Brass and Steel Steampunk Tabletop RPG, OSR Greats, The Rat Hack, Into the Odd, and White Box Fantastic Medieval Adventure Game. But that's not all. The Curse of Strahd Revamped is included as well. This complete list goes to one lucky winner in the U.S. Here's how to enter. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and leave a review. Leave a comment as well. Then, go to our Facebook page and like it. Finally, stop by our webpage, thedungeonmastersdojo.com forward slash about, and leave us a message. Once we hit 500 on each, we will draw a winner. You must do all three to qualify. We'll see you next time in the dojo. It's for hire, senora. Are you recording? Turn that shit off. No. Go. For yes, as long as you desire, senorita. You got it out of your system? Yeah. We're going to ride. Forget <laughs> the manana and come to Havana with me. Lucy, you can't be in the show. Are you done? I'm done. Okay. And let's, let's make a podcast. Let's, let's go. Oh, we're doing it now? Yes. Support the Dungeon Masters Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is by buying the DMD a beer so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the DMD and buy us a beer or three or five. Don't forget to say something nice or mean. We don't care. You're buying us a beer. Now on to this week's episode. Dude, are you ready for the adventure? I can't wait. The catacombs await. You bet I am. I have all my rations packed for the week. Okay, cool. What'd you pack? I have a ham sandwich with extra mayo. A bunch of that yogurt Jamie Lee Curtis eats, huh? two Twinkies, a salad, a trout. What? It's, a trout. It's still got the head on, so you're going to have to take it off before I eat it. Uh, a ham, extra mayo, yogurt. Where are your iron rations? What the hell is an iron ration? This week on the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your Dungeon Masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. 
Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Scott, Bill, how's it going? Good. It's our one-year anniversary week. That's pretty awesome. One year. Who'd have thought? Yeah. Who'd have thought? Yeah, I, I would have thought, but I have one question for you. What's that? What the hell is an iron ration? Hell if I know. I know. I'm, of course he does. Uh, I'm just concerned about the indigestion you're going to give some athcoid when he consumes your body with all that crap you're carrying. It's going to explode. Yeah, the Twinkies will be floating around <laughs> in it because, you know, those things last forever. And you still got to take the head off of that trout. I can't eat something that staring back, back, staring back at me. Yeah, that's the best part. Um, Eyeballs are a delicacy. Yeah, well, you are welcome to them. <laughs> all by yourself. Yep. So, an iron ration. Before we do that, you want to yeah. try something? Let's try something. We were discussing this, and I think this is going to be cool. Yeah, we're going to call someone. We're gonna we're gonna call this guy Mike Sorensen, who left us a very flattering uh, message on our fledgling website. We've never done this before, but like real radio people do it, and um, it doesn't seem intrusive when when we do it. Oh, not at all. Or when they do it anyway. It's probably going to be <laughs> creepy stalky, but he left us his phone number. Folks, it's not like we uh, used the Google <laughs> to find him. To hunt he, him down. <laughs> he willfully. Willfully, yes. Willfully in- left included, us his phone number. Included. And, and it was a, it, it wasn't a, hey, you guys are cool. It was a lengthy um, review. It was which, very, it was very flattering. And it was very Actually, flattering. I, um, all of which we hope to tell him. I. I wish my family was that kind with their words. That Lou, year. hit that send button. Let's call him. No, I, we have no idea if this is going to work. Lou's using person. technology. Yeah, I'm baffled. It's oh. like it's like magic. It's ringing on the thingy that we use for the podcast. Hello. Hi, is this uh, Mike Sorensen? Yeah, this is him. Oh, hey, Mike. It's uh, Scott, Bill, and Lou from the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Oh hey, how's it going, man? I, I hope I hope we're not intruding. No, no, all good. Oh great, we're in your driveway. Can you open the door? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a hop, skip, and jump from Massachusetts to yeah. Utah. <laughs> we we have you on the air. Is that okay? Totally fine. Awesome. We got your your uh, email message and just wanted to thank you very very much for all the kind words. It was oh, really my nice. pleasure. You guys are fantastic. It was really nice to hear hear, hear that, and uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, from someone besides our family, because they're just sucking up to us. Yeah, they, they have to, and we pay them yeah. to say those nice things. <laughs> well, it's the best way to get the likes and reviews, right? <laughs> <laughs> if only they went that far. So I, I, I wonder, Mike, how a DM would be who was a mentalist and a magician at one point in time. I can... I can imagine the showmanship must be amazing. <laughs> well, you know, I like to hope so. I mean, nobody's left the groups yet, so. That is but, a good uh, sign. They're just afraid you're going to cut them in is. half. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that that's not until the Strahd campaign starts. Oh, but, uh, good mix. Good mix. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I got here. No, it, it's been fun. Awesome. Yeah, I, I come down here and say, do you guys see the, the email from Mike Sorensen? They're like, no. Everyone starts grabbing their phones. And I read it to him, and it's like, that is really cool. We appreciate that. Thank you very, very much. 
And well, fact- it's my pleasure. You know, I just discovered you guys this morning, and you know, just super enjoyed it. That's great. Thank you very much. Well, we got a hundred plus episodes out there, so we'll keep you occupied at the gym for a little while. Yeah. Well, it's good motivation to keep going, right? Yeah. There you go. And I, and I hope I hope our tips are are useful. I mean, you you stated that you're a new DM, been playing for a long yeah. time. That's awesome. But uh, yeah. the fact that we're throwing this stuff out there, and, and we've said a bunch of times we're not experts. We've just been doing this a long time and throwing our spin on it and hucking it out there and see if it sticks. So we appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, you know, for new guys like me, you know, that kind of information is really valuable because like me being a new DM, you know, I've been playing a long time, but me being a new DM, boy, you know, it, it's – a master class in how not to do things unless you're getting some good instruction from people who have been in the trenches. That is great. That is absolutely wonderful. We're very happy to hear that sort of thing. And Mike, we don't want to keep you from your family or dinner. I don't know what time it is in, in Utah. Um, It's only four (laughs) o'clock. Oh, well, dinner's not ready yet. Not ready yet. (laughs) Unfortunately. But thank you very, very much for listening and your kind words. We we really appreciate it. And thanks for letting us talk to you while on the air as well. My pleasure, guys. All my best to you. Thank you very much. Thank you again. Thanks, Mike. Have a good one. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was cool, and it worked. That Yeah. And um, Since it's Utah, people probably won't be knocking on our doors and windbreakers today, but tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) That is always always wonderful to hear uh, people's kind words, and it's very, uh, very reaffirming um, when we hear stuff like that. And it's 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 nice to to talk to someone in person too. So I'm uh, Mike. I'm glad you left your phone number, so we got to at least call you, say hello, and thank you in in person and that's a warning to the rest of you you leave a review and you leave your phone number there is probably a really good chance we're gonna call your butt yeah and uh because we're lonely down here in the lyceum and and, uh yet we're not in his driveway no because he didn't leave his address but a word of warning don't leave yours don't leave yours yes but i will add if you do want to leave a voicemail you can do that on our anchor page yes very cool please Please feel free to do so. You know, if you don't have enough time to sit down or type, or if typing's not your thing, leave a voicemail. We'd, we'd love to hear it. And we'll include it in our show. We could do that. Yeah. There's a lot of things I can do. He is awesome. Yeah. Just ask him. Oh, yeah. He tells us constantly. <laughs> well, somebody has to do it. Yeah. He, he's, he's, got got a cue, awesome he's got a cue card. Yeah. He holds it up, points it at me, says, say I'm awesome. Yep. So. See, look at this, Scott. What Lou, does it say? Lou, you're awesome. It's upside down. Oh, this way here. Oh, Lou, you're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so now that we've got that out of the way, and we tried something new, and it was awesome, and we're going to do it again, uh, let's move on to the iron ration, shall we? Yeah, so just what is an iron ration? Let me tell you my interpretation of this Oh, please. Do. as a uh, student of history before I became a student of psychology. An iron ration was something that was commonly given to soldiers in World War I called such because of the containers they were in that were metal. My question is, then, if that is the case, then what the hell is an iron ration doing in a medieval fantasy role-playing game? Well, first Mr. off, Guy you, were, you were close. The only thing that was actually in a tin was the meat. Uh, the rest of it was dry product. So you, they got the iron ration. 
from the, the, the meat that was in it. It started in uh, 1857, World War One, with the British. And that was a, an emergency ration to hold them over for 24 hours. Although sometimes they had to stretch it out for two, three days. But when they weren't couldn't get back or stuck behind lines or whatever, they had something to fall back on. And I think it made its way into the game because they really didn't have another name for it. Well, I think because before D&D, chain mail was there. That was more of a battle system. So they were taking battle systems. They were war gamers. Yeah, Well, yeah, uh, Gary Jagjax was very much a a war gamer and uh, military games, things like that. That's where he he started. And he was drawing everything from military resources. So, yeah, very much. And it didn't have much in it either. Um, You had a pound of meat. Uh, 12 ounces of biscuits, 3 ounces of cheese, 5 eighths of an ounce of tea, uh, 2 ounces of sugar, and a half ounce of salt. And that was it. That was your iron ration in the military. So this meat, Bill, this meat, yep. we um, are we looking at like dried meat, like a jerky type of thing? Back well, then, um, it was a preserved meat. It was... Uh, very, spam? Uh, probably a predecessor thereof. Yuck. It didn't. Yep. I mean, it, it it was a dried preserved meat that was um, reconstituted with some fats, mostly because they were shooting. There, it was like three thousand calories or more, and most of that was from that meat with the fats that were in it, along with the cheeses and stuff. So you're you're looking at something. I mean, it wasn't great by any means, uh, yeah. and you're and you had to worry about because a lot of your cans back there were tin cans, but they were sealed with lead back then as well. So yeah. Yeah. And three thousand calories may seem like a lot, but if you're if you're fighting a war and marching and slogging through muddy trenches and and mm. you know going bayonet to bayonet, three thousand calories can burn up pretty quick. Well, not really only that, how often are you eating? Yeah, well, that's just it. This is this is you know more often than not, you couldn't eat this unless you had permission from your commanding officer. It was an emergency ration. So if you're behind lines, you haven't eaten in a day or two, then you could crack it open. Or if the, the supply line didn't make it through, you had to wait for the okay from your commanding officer to tell you you can consume your rations. So it wasn't something he was like, ah, all right, give me four or five of them, and I'm, I'm going to hump them out, and uh, you know this is going to be breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That was one shot per day, and if you got that much. So iron rations. So iron rations in, in World War One. What about a medieval fantasy setting? Let's let's talk about what you would find in the medieval fantasy equivalent of an iron ration. Um, because I think one of the things that was never really clear in the old DMG or player's handbook was exactly what one would find in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had to do uh, a lot of research. And back in the day, we did that at a place called a library. Ooh, and I had a set of Collier's Encyclopedias yeah, in the house. I think I had, we had Encyclopedia Britannica and that mm-hmm. was you got those because some guy knocked on your door. Yep. And said, "Hey, you want to buy some some encyclopedias?" And and I don't know any of my friends who didn't have a set of encyclopedias in their home. You're right. I think everyone had a set. That was your your go-to, your reference for if you couldn't make the library, that was your library. That was your internet. Yeah. 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 Not as not as fun or convenient as today's internet, I can assure you. There was National Geographic back then for that sort of thing, <laughs> uh, but that's another episode entirely. So, what do you think? What do you okay. think we would find? In- so, the difference actually would be nominal. 
there really would not be very much difference in an iron ration for the medieval fantasy world that it would be in the military ration. The difference being your meats would be pretty much the only difference. Instead, you'd end up with like a dried sausage, something like a supersad or, you know, pepperoni, something like that. Uh, fairly greasy, but would, would hold very, very long. Or jerky. So it's a, a dried smoked sausage or jerky. And aside from that, you'd find the same thing. And again, it's just an emergency ration. It's not something you're going to try to subsist on. How about the tin container? Yes or no? Or um, would that jack up the price quite a bit? More like than not, it would come in like a, a thrown clay pot, like a pot jar with a with a uh, a wooden cap and a wax seal. But you wouldn't. It, there probably wouldn't be in a in a actual metal can, even though it's called iron rations. So it's safe to assume that in your D and D campaign, your iron ration would vary from region to region based on you know the food that is readily available. So. Nuts, yeah. Uh, dried well, fruit, maybe. N- now you're stepping out of the realm of iron ration to standard rations. All right. Well, let's finish up with this then before we uh, we, we we jump across realms. Your, then. your standard ration is something you're going to you're going to subsist on every day. That's you know you're going to try to get your basics in. Your iron ration is an emergency meal, so you're going to have again you know a couple chunks of of dried meat, uh, a small waxed bar or or a small wedge of cheese. More often than not, you're going to have to scrape off the mold, but that's okay. It makes it taste better. Um, well, the cheese, I understand, during that time period, and in looking at cheese recipes, which are oddly fascinating. Yeah, I know my life has, has become so exciting that I look at cheese recipes. But This the, is why nothing gets done in the Lyceum. He yeah. gets so distracted so easily. Very, very easily. But they This were, is why you get yelled at all the time. <laughs> Lou is just so intolerant. Um <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't appreciate the artistic mind. But but these cheeses were very low moisture. Yes, all well, the way up until like the seventeen eighteen hundreds. They're, they're almost like hard Parmesan. Cheese. Yeah, Parmesan, Romano, things like that. They very very much so. So it's not something you just like. You, I mean, you can gnaw on it, but more often than not, you're biting off small pieces. Yep. You'd be dropping them into your 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 soup or your stew or so to help flavor it and salt it up. So, but. Yeah, so you're, there wouldn't be a lot of change, but keep in mind your iron rations is something that you're going to use in an emergency case. And that, uh, instead of biscuits, you'd probably have a hardtack in there. Yeah, hardtack. Um, let's talk about hardtack. I don't know okay. if many people know uh, what hardtack is, but uh, Bill made some hardtack, and um, I'd, uh, I'd like to say it was really good, but my dentist warned me against trying it. You could easily break a window or put an eye out with hardtack. So let's talk about that. What <laughs> What is hardtack? Because you will find it in an iron ration. It's very you common. Will. Instead of the biscuit, you're going to have hardtack. And the hardtack is, is simple ingredients. It's flour and water and salt and pepper. Well, they called it uh, in seamanship a ship's biscuit. Yes, they did. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of names for it out there, but... Hardtack is pretty much the the common term, and it's just flour, water, and a little bit of salt, sometimes pepper, and that's it. And you mix it so it's when you mix it up, it's just enough where it's it becomes a little doughy, and then you just lay it out flat, maybe a quarter inch thick, poke some holes in it so it can vent, and then you bake it slowly for a couple hours. So is that why you had the chainsaw out on the kitchen table last week? You were you were cutting it into biscuit sized shapes. No, that's what the meat cleaver was that's for. What the- <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you, know, you cut it in biscuit-sized pieces before you start drying it out. 
So these things are these things are hard, like hard, hard, hard. And you're if you've ever encountered hardtack, or if you're if if you're just listening and this is your first experience with that, and if you've asked this question, what the hell is an iron ration? How does one eat an object then, Bill? That is uh, literally hard as a rock, designed that you to could, break your teeth. Yeah, that you could beat someone down with in a prison riot. Okay, it's not a it's not a Ritz cracker. You're not just going to grab and start chewing on it. Yes, very um, different. Ideally. To help your meals stretch and to keep you full, you're going to take a lot of these ingredients other in your iron ration or your standard ration and make a soup or a stew, some kind of, or even if you just make a broth with the meat, soak a small couple of small pieces of meat and make a, a meat flavored broth. You would soak your your biscuit in there, just drop it in there and let it sit. A, a lot of times, people would put it in like your uh, if you had got some wild game. Or you took some of your meats and you'd cook it up, make your broth, and soak it overnight. And then in the morning, pull it out, let it drain a little bit, and then throw it on a skillet and and cook it that way. And it becomes something like a a, a firm English muffin kind of deal. But it, so you can either put it in your soup and let it soak up the you know the water, and then nibble on it as as it loosens up, or you soak it overnight. And first thing in the morning, you pull it out, you set it down, let the excess water drain out, and then with uh, a skillet, maybe a little bit of lard or butter or whatever you happen to have on you, fry it up, and then you can put whatever you want on it. And it's, it's actually not bad like that. Now, I'm I'm a survivalist. Um, I te- used to teach survival courses. So I'm familiar with hardtack. I'm familiar with pemmican and how to you know prepare these things. That's why I made some. When I made mine, I... I it, I used a recipe that I've used in the past. It wasn't just flour and water and salt. I actually had whole grains because back in the day, you didn't get the fine refined powder you have now with your flour. It was more of a coarser meal. So it looked closer to your grits or your oatmeal. So you're going to see a hardtack that's not so much like a big thick cracker, but almost like a, a like a multigrain cracker with seeds and the whatnot. And yes. Very visible you know, uh, fibrous bits. Interesting. So by now I would guess our, our listeners are probably going, well, this is all neat, but why do I need to know this? And, and, you know, as a DM, I think you do need to know these things because it adds, uh, no pun intended flavor to your game, right? When, when you're doing those little RP things, you're in a town, you're, you're purchasing supplies, as a DM, you're you're better able to describe what they're getting and what is there, and it can speak to the region. And players, and I certainly hope we have players listening, because this is this is for you guys too. It gives you an idea of what you're going to do with your with your, your hard tack, with your iron rations, with your, you know, whatever. You yeah, know. yeah, if you're crawling through the catacombs, you're not stopping going, Oh, I'm gonna break out some of my hard tack and start gnawing on that. Right. You're not doing that. Yeah, you're going to need a cleric to fix the the, the busted teeth, you know, yes. and the dislocated jaw. But on the plus side, you now have a D3 to your bite attack with all the jagged edges. Yes. Now, pemmican. I've looked at pemmican recipes. I understand the purpose of pemmican, but it is absolutely vile sounding. <laughs> um, I would not wish a pemmican meal on my worst enemy. Let's talk about pemmican because that's going to show up in your iron ration because that is a no, no standard ration. Standard ration. 
Before we move into the standard ration, let's talk a little bit about pemmican because pemmican is a very, very interesting thing. Calorie dense. Yes. It gives you it gives you everything. It gives you a bunch of carbohydrates for energy. It gives you uh, protein. It was the original energy bar. Yeah, and uh, but it is it is far from a Cliff Bar or Luna Bar. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and very valuable fats because yes. fat is energy. That is energy. Right? So an adventurer is going to need that. Walking around in armor, hauling a backpack, hauling weapons, especially and, and in cool that. weather, cool and cold weather. Yeah, the fat is actually more important than the meat. That is the fuel for your furnace. You're going to need that to maintain your body temperature. Absolutely. So, Bill. Yes. Let's talk pemmican. What is pemmican? And then let's get into how pemmican is made. Sure. Base material is dried meat. You want it as dry as possible and then powder it. Yeah. So you're using a mortar and a pestle. You, you can. Right well, in, 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 in this time, yes. Yeah. Um, although there are some mills that will mill the meats. Yeah, on a you, grinding stone the yep. same as a, yep. Yep, just like. Because of the high fat content, it takes a little while, and you want to make sure it's, it's as dry as possible. You want to use the leanest cuts of meat as possible. For our purposes in the fantasy realm, you're dealing with wild game, which is normally real, you know, really lean. You could clean off as much of the fat as you possibly can, then dry it down so and powder it. That's the start. We're drying meat, right? We're not, we're not getting a brawn uh, food dehydrator, right? No. Those just weren't available. What are, how are they drying their meat? The most popular way is to cut it in probably maybe inch-wide strips, as thin as you possibly can, maybe like uh, eight and eighth of an inch thereabouts. Hang them about two, three feet over an open fire, and that takes a, probably about six, seven, eight hours to completely dry it out. So is it drying it or smoking it? It's drying it because you don't right. want a lot of smoke. You want just the heat. So, I mean, there's going to be some smoke there, obviously, which add, actually adds some flavor. Um, I always preferred to do mine that way, but you could just leave it out in the sun. Right. So your, your adventuring party then, maybe you have a ranger or, or something that uh, is lucky enough to get a rabbit or, or a deer or whatever, some wild game. Yep. They're going to probably be eating what they can fresh and then doing just that over the campfire while everybody is taking their long rest. Uh, in small bits, yes. Unfortunately, making pemmican is time consuming. Well, drying the meat specifically is what I'm talking very much about so. for like for the road, so to speak. Right. Well, very often in in more often than not in pemmican, there's also dried berries and fruits as well. So those have to be completely dried and powdered as well. And are we we're doing so in the in the same fashion, or is this something that strictly the sun is doing? Usually, just the sun. Uh, you'll crush your berries. And into like a paste and lay it out onto a rock or a, you, know, you don't want to put on leather. Leather is going to soak up the moisture and then you're going to have this berry flavored piece of leather. But on a rock. And thus the and, fruit roll up is and born. And there the fruit roll up. So you, uh, <laughs> you're on a rock and dry it out as, as best as you possibly can. Usually close to the fire uh, to keep the heat, draw that the moisture out as quick as possible. And then again, you're going to powder that as well. You're looking probably for every pound of meat, you're going to want three, four ounces of fruit. And then you want to save all that fat that you've had from your animal before you started drying it. Yes. Now this is uh, this is my favorite part, and probably the thing that disgusts me the most uh, about this. <laughs> but the fat, the fat, right? So we're you God, need to, this sounds awful. You but, need to render the fat to make tallow. Yes. So tallow, which interestingly enough, um, and I don't believe it's in fifth edition. Correct me if I'm wrong. Head over to Facebook and say, Scott, you're full of shit. You don't know what you're talking about. Tallow is indeed in fifth edition. But we used to buy these things called 
tallow candles because they were cheaper than wax candles. Remember that in the yep. old player's handbook when you were gearing up? Tallow was like a, a copper piece or something like that, and the wax candles were a lot more pricey. Um, but tallow is animal fat, right? Animal in fat. In its rendered form? It's it rendered form. What you do is you take all your fat, you put it in a container. You don't want to boil it, but you want to bring it to just about that point where it slowly starts to bubble and let it do that for hours, three, four, five hours, depending on the size of the, the container. You know it's done when the little bits that were you know dropped in there all float to the top and are this nice, dark, dark brown. When that's done and it stops bubbling, your fat has been rendered into tallow. You strain it out through a piece of cheesecloth to get all the bits and pieces, let it cool a little bit, and then you're going to take your powdered meat and berries, and you're going to put it in a container, and you're going to slowly pour in your warm tallow and mix it around until it gets to a, a firm consistency, almost like a fudge. So it's drying, or it's it's cooling Re, it's, during this period. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So once it gets to that point, you're going to want to lay it out and let it cool. Once it's cool, then you can form it into other bars or, or balls or, or something like that, whatever you're going to, you know, whatever mode of transportation works best for you. So this isn't something that maybe an adventuring party would do during a long break. It seems like no. it's a long rest. It seems like it's a, it's an in-depth process. But what it does do is it gives you an idea of how this is made. So, you know, why would you need to know this? Well, as, as a DM, being better able to describe things is always a plus. So perhaps you're in a town and people are going about their their daily town business and if you've ever seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail you don't want your your villagers to be doing the same stuff these villagers were doing they were just they were doing nonsensical things like making mud pies and the whatnot my favorite was the old lady on top of the second port stoop uh, banging out the dirt of off her rug with the cat yes um, <laughs> you want to add flavor we don't we don't advocate for using uh, banging cats against anything. No, no um, I just I don't, but watch don't. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You'll understand what we're talking about. But what it does is it it, it adds descriptive flavor to your medieval fantasy town. Yes, um, and it it just helps to know what how things how things are made because you can describe the mouthfeel and the smell of of pemmican as 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 your adventuring party is is eating it. Mm-hmm. But why doesn't it go bad? That's the question of the day. How come this doesn't go bad? Well, the beauty is your fat has already been rendered, so the proteins have already been broken down. Your meat has already been powdered and dry, so there's no moisture. And that's the key. You know, you you need to have moisture, and you've taken all the moisture out. So the pemmican will last. Now, you can add other things, but everything you add will shorten its life. So you can add nuts and berries and oats and things like that, which are already dry. but those type things have a tendency to retain their own oil and their own moisture and their water. And you're not going to be able to really dry them out unless you roast them. And even then, just the ambient air will start, especially your oats and things like that, will start rehydrating this product. So everything you add will make it last, you know, will we'll cut back on its, its shelf life. Although if you're just going out for a week, that's no problem. Your pemmican will last months. Which is pretty... Pretty impressive. It's it's kind of like the medieval superfood. It was initially discovered in North America with the indigenous people. I believe it was the Cree uh, tribe that they ran into, and, and they're the ones that had it. And the early settlers found this out and said, well, this is this is 
freaking awesome. This stuff lasts forever. And that's what they attributed to the long, cold months during the winter when you couldn't get anything but wild game. You can subsist on wild game during the winter. But if you don't have berries and oats and things like that to balance out your diet, you can actually starve to death. And your body will start taking the calcium and, and uh, the other nutrients from your own body that it doesn't have. So you can starve to death by eating nothing but meats. Another important thing to know if you're a diabolical DM running a winter campaign. So let's talk about standard rations. Um, standard rations are different than iron rations, yeah? So yep. in in what way? Let's talk about that because standard rations, right, it's almost implied in the name. Standard is what you would standardly, you would you would consume on on a standard basis, right? Correct. And on a daily basis while you're out and about and you're adventuring and the whatnot. And as you said before, the iron rations are kind of like your emergency. Well, if you're doing long, long hauls, your iron rations will work with the belief that you are both foraging and hunting as you go to help fortify what you have. Your standard rations, you don't have to do that quite as much because you're bringing pretty much a little bit of everything with you. So you're going to have your cheeses, some hard or soft. You're going to have some fresh berries, maybe some fruit. Uh, you're going to have uh, your hardtack is always part of it, it you know, because you need to be able to stretch your meal. So hardtack is always going to be in there. You're also going to have some of your meats. So you're going to have your sausage. You're going to have your, your jerky because you can always rehydrate it by throwing it in a bowl with some hot water. But with the introduction of like tubers, so you have your, your, potatoes, and then maybe some, a couple fresh onions, some carrots, some chives. Uh, so with the fresh produce added along with it, you have a, a much more balanced meal. The downside is you're carrying a lot more weight. I've always gone with a three for one. So you can carry three times the iron rations that you would with a standard ration because you're basically carrying a bunch of water. Yeah, and water's heavy. Water's heavy. So you, you are going to have your fresh fruits, uh, berries, your fresh nuts, you know, and even if they're, they're semi-dried, they're not dried to the point where you, where you need them for the pemmican. And you may actually have pemmican in there along with or instead of your other meats. It is that good of a, of a resource for your entire body. So you, you can get pemmican all the time. But you have access to fresher products. And I've always asked my players, all right, is anyone hunting? Is anyone scavenging? Is anyone foraging? Or I've just waited. You know, the, you, inevitably you probably got a ranger there. Let's see if the ranger's going to hunt. If everyone's taking a long rest, all right. Uh, I I haven't lost any hit points. I got no spells to cast, so I'm going to sit back for about four, five, six hours. Get you a little cat nap. I'm good, and then I'm going to help for two hours and hunt and see if they bring something back. If they do, great. Everyone's rations just got extended. When I played a ranger, I always brought parchment paper because you can soak your parchment paper in oil and then wrap whatever meats are left and that protects them. So every time you stop, I can pull in a couple more pieces out and dry a little bit more, make a little more jerky. If we're in a, you know, in a, in a hotel or something, okay, I'm going to trade this haunch, which is still in really good shape because it's wrapped in oil, oiled paper. So it's protected in exchange for how about meals for my entire group? What about fish, right? You can dry meat. You can dry fish. You can. Correct. Yes, you can. Same method? Same method. Over the fire, long-term. Storage is a little bit more difficult because it does absorb moisture easier, number one. And number two, it has a distinct odor. 
There is a, a uh, I want to say it's like Scandinavian method of drying fish that produces an extremely malodorous preserved fish, but I think it would add a tremendous amount of kind of cultural flavor if your party was in one of those coastal regions. Well, that's the fermented fish, right? I I want to say I want to say it is, but yeah, I, you I, know I I've think, seen I pictures think, of them drying about, it. I, I think you're talking about the fermented fish. Yeah, it's it's almost like it's a freeze dried thing. They keep it outside in the in the cold weather, and yep, it's uh, it's freeze dried. But that's um, that's another thing too, where if you have a a coastal culture, you will probably see, I would imagine, some preserved fish of well, some type. Your pemmican can be made out of the same way. You dry your fish down a little bit more oil to it. But you can cook your fish, dry it, powder it, then add the oils back in, and then go from there. Or if you have, if it's a place at a Colton town, maybe they are out doing whaling or something like that, where you know, you're dealing with a, a different style of meat. But yeah, you could use fish. It wouldn't last as long, but it would definitely be serviceable. So let's wrap things up, shall we? Let's. Don't just assume that anything your player characters are stuffing into their maws will allow them to survive. In some cases, the characters are only existing. Without foraging and hunting to supplement what they have, if all they're eating is iron rations for a week or so, then be ready to start doling out the negative modifiers. Rations are only devised to keep you alive for a short period of time. The characters' bodies will begin to break down. Reflect on this in your game. And that's, what the hell is an iron ration? If you're interested in a list of common items in an iron ration and standard ration to use in your campaign, head on over to DriveThruRPG for a low-cost digital download of common items found in rations, as well as more convenient tools for the busy game master. The link is in the description below. We'll see you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.